Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, over the next few weeks, we are talking about tough questions people ask about Christianity. And in particular, today we're answering a question that is asked a lot. Should faith play a role in politics? Wow, this is going to be a good one. So let's get going. On today's episode of Root Like Faith, we are talking about the relationship between faith and politics. What is the role of the government and how should a Christian engage in politics? Well, we know this is a touchy topic. It can be, at least. And I feel like there's a lot of confusion that needs to be cleared up. So we want to look at what God intended when he instituted the government, how he uses it, and where we are called to participate as followers of Jesus. And listen, it's no accident that today is the election. We did this on purpose because we think that this is an important thing to discuss. We probably should have done this like a couple months ago. Well, but... that's true. <laughs> this is a little bit after the fact, I guess. <laughs> yeah, although there, there's probably still some that, that maybe are, are deciding uh, today. But regardless, I think as we talk about faith and politics, whether we're talking about this election or just local politics, local government, and future elections, I just think this topic is so important. Well, I think and... it's important for us to understand because I feel like it's so easy to kind of just shrink away from it because it feels too hard and nobody, you feel like you don't really have a, a good answer. So you don't know what to say and you don't want to offend anybody. I mean, did you grow up in a family? We've never really talked about this, but did you grow up in a family where politics was talked about a lot? Because I, I mean, I think back to when I was growing up and I don't know that I ever remember, like I know my parents voted, but I don't remember that ever really being a big topic of discussion like in the home necessarily and, and maybe just like news was different back then I mean you have cable news mm. and so some of that is just more accessible today um, but like I don't remember sitting around the family room and watching um, you know name your network um, yeah you know, from <laughs> from eight to ten at night right and so was that I mean what was that like no we didn't know I mean I can't remember really talking a lot about it either at least not um, as intense as it seems today. Right. I mean, of course, I remember my parents voted, and but I don't know. It was nothing like it yeah. is today. And I think everyone would agree, especially right now, that politics has become incredibly polarizing and incredibly controversial. And I think that's probably why we're all a little bit scared. At least I am. I'm just being really honest here. Scared to enter the conversation because immediately you're pegged as something or someone just because you want to enter that conversation and, and it matters what you say. Well, yeah, I think this election in particular um, is is especially polarizing. And you just look at the rise of technology and how that has influenced, you know, public discourse today versus 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, as we were talking about, just, you know, depending on how you grew up, I mean, maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't have a good understanding, like biblically, the role of government and politics, and maybe that wasn't talked about much in in church. And so as, you know, politics and, and then politics and faith becomes more of a conversation like it is today, then, um, you know, a lot of times you, you feel a little bit ill-equipped sometimes to, right. to um, you know, to enter that conversation in a, in a grounded biblical way. So I think as we continue talking about, you know, what does it mean to be rooted in our faith? I mean, again, this, this affects every sphere of life. Absolutely. And so as we're talking 
in particular today about faith and politics, I think it's just really helpful to, to kind of lay a, a big picture uh, or maybe just some, um, some you know, basic principles that the Bible paints for understanding mm-hmm. the role of faith and politics. So let's start with just the role of government. Well, I, d- I do want to say first that I think this is a very important topic that we need to understand. And so I would encourage the listener to really, um, I don't know, grab a notebook, whatever. But this is something that we really have to understand. Like you said, this is a part, this is a foundational for our faith to really understand how this plays out. So let me start by reading Romans 13, 1 through 7. I think that's probably where you were headed. Yep. Um, and, and just see. We really cut in there, honey. Sorry. <laughs> Even use your signal. (laughs) Right. We're driving a car. No, I just, I wanted to make sure that that was stated because I just know my tendency to be like, oh, this is, this is a lot and too hard. And, but listen, we've got to understand this. This is important. So, okay, let's start with Romans 13, one through seven. Romans 13, one through seven says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from from fear of the one in authority? Then And do what is right and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Stick with me. We're almost through these verses. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. All right. That's, yeah, there's a lot, I know, in that in that particular passage. But like you said, I mean, that, I think that's one of the one of the foundational passages that we ought to, to go to and think about as we're talking about faith and politics. And so again, you read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I think one of the things, I mean, you see a lot of things in that passage, but one of the things that you see that is most important for our conversation is that government is instituted by God, that, that government is a, a restrainer of evil, um, that, that God has given us uh, government as um, a blessing, that, that it was mm. meant to be something good for society, that God is a God of order, he's a God of peace, that he establishes government really as a gift out of his love for people. And so, you know, government was was designed and instituted by God to restrain evil. And, and that's part of what, what Paul is, um, you know, talking about. He uses that language of being an agent of wrath, yeah, um, you know, of of correcting mm-hmm. and enforcing, um, you know, uh, laws to restrain evil. And so, one of the things that I think is really important for us as Christians to remember is that that government was instituted by God as a means of restraining evil. That God is a, a God of order, and that government its role is is oftentimes to protect the weak, um, to punish evil. Um, and that this doesn't mean that every government is good. Um, but it does mean that, that God has, has created the government to serve in that role. And, and I think you see in the scriptures that God even uses 
evil empires, evil yeah. uh, nations and, and rulers to accomplish his purposes. Yeah, and that's what that's what I wanted. I want to ask because I think that that's the question that probably a lot of people have. Like if if God instituted government to protect us, but it doesn't, but it's not fully good. Like where does that fit in? And I think. Um, that's a good point that it doesn't mean that every government is good. Um, but what do we do with that? Well, we'll get back to, I think we're going to, okay. we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, later on, but I think, you know, the point there, the, the foundational truth is that God establishes government and government is, is a good thing meant to restrain evil. And I think you, you, you look at what's happening in particular in our culture today amongst some people, I mean, this, this throwing off of anything that, that is, um, you know, perceived to be in a place of authority over our life. And right. so you see, um, you know, a government that, again, th- there's no government that is perfect or, or right or holy, but you look at what's happening in our culture in, in many places that there are, you know, people who are throwing off or, or want to disrupt the government. Right. Um, and, and that can be a dangerous thing because, again, uh, God has established, you know, the government to, to create order and peace and to enforce law, to protect the weak. And so there, there's sort of that, um, you know, among some people that that's happening today. Yeah, and I think our natural tendency as human beings, you know, out of the womb is to, it's hard for us to submit to authority. Right. It's to go yeah. against authority. And I think, you know, depending on how you were raised and taught, that trickles down, keeps going into, as you get older, um, it gets harder if you haven't been taught how important that is. Well, and there is a way, right? And we're going to talk about that because it's kind of getting to your point. There is a way to to protest or to resist un- unjust um, laws. Um, th- there's a time to do that. There's mm. a way to do that. And so you're exactly right. Like we just, I think what you see in the scriptures, you know, over and over again, and we'll look at a few more verses, um, is this attitude amongst followers of Jesus is to obey the government and to be the best citizens mm. that you can possibly be. I mean, when you read church history, that's that's one of the, you know, the criticisms of the early Christians was that they they were sort of disengaged. They were aloof. They didn't want to participate mm. in certain, you know, public events. And so the Christians are always making the argument, know that I mean they're essentially making the argument in many, in many um, in many ways, we're the best citizens. Um, we, we belong to the kingdom of God and our allegiance to Jesus actually makes us the best citizens. Our our allegiance to Jesus doesn't mean that we're, we're disengaged or that we are not good citizens. We're actually better citizens mm. because of Jesus. And so you see this theme then throughout the New Testament in particular of why we, we are called to be good citizens, to submit to authority, to obey those who are in a position of power over us. Um, and, and so um, I think, again, coming back to that fundamental truth is that government is ordained by God, it's instituted by God, and it has its role. Um, it does not have absolute authority, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it, it has a position of authority meant to restrain evil, to protect people. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, so well, let me let me read a few, a couple of yeah, those yeah, verses then. Um, so 1 Peter 2.17 says, which is, this is interesting to me, because I think, and if you're listening, you'll start to notice in the scriptures how many times you see uh, those submitting to the, the Bible talking about us submitting to authority. Um, first Peter two seventeen says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. 
First Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. I mean, here, right in Scripture, it's telling us we, we're being urged, right, to petition and pray and intercede and give thanksgiving for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our savior. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that that, that attitude, I think what we want to take away from, from this part of, of the conversation is that government is, is a good thing. It, it was instituted by God to restrain evil, to protect the weak. And there is this attitude among scripture that, that we're called to obey those who are in authority over us and to pray for those, you know, presidents, politicians, kings. Um, I mean, those who, who have a, a role of authority over us, the attitude of the Christian ought to see the government as, as a good thing. Now, we have to be careful because these yeah. same passages have been used in the past and previous generations mm. to justify things like slavery. Right. And so I think we have to be really careful. Um, again, we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. But what, what the writers are making the argument for is that government is a good thing and that the Christian is meant to, to obey those who are in authority, to pray for them, and as we'll see, even be actively engaged in, in um, political things. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I think that's where we need to go from here. So we obviously have set up how important it is. Well, how many times the Bible tells us to um, submit to authority and honor our leaders, um, but this is where the butt comes in, you know, like what they aren't the ultimate authority in our life. And so that's, I think where people get hung up. Um, they, they don't know where, where to, you know, where is the line here? Yeah. You know, I think that's such an important point because, you know, again, God has, he's not granted the governing authorities absolute power, which is really what you already said. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are accountable to God. So as you think about the government, you think about presidents, you know, politicians, you know, anybody that is enacting policy, public policy, um, they are not the absolute authority that, mm-hmm. that all governments and government leaders are accountable ultimately to God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's, we, we have to balance that then as followers of Jesus. On the one hand, government is good. It's instituted by God. It has its purpose, but ultimately governments are then accountable to God. And the Christian then sees him or herself as first and foremost, a citizen of heaven, Yeah. right? And so, you know, Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at, at Jesus's teaching, you know, the Beatitudes, you know, Matthew chapter five through seven. I mean, that, that um, constitution, if you will, of the kingdom of God. I mm-hmm. mean, Jesus paints this picture of what it looks like to, to live as citizens of heaven here on earth. And so the Christian has to continually remind themselves that ultimately they're, they're a citizen of heaven and their accountability is to God. And so as we're thinking about then certain laws or policies that get in place, either in our time or in previous generations, we were talking about how these same verses were used to justify things like slavery. We have to remember that, that obedience to the government is a Christian idea. It's taught in scripture, but only to the point where um, that runs up against obeying God. Yes, and so I that's where that. I think the role of civil disobedience comes into mm-hmm. play. You know that mm-hmm. there is a place for the follower of Jesus to disobey certain laws, certain leaders, and rulers because what 
we're being asked to do is not just something immoral, but it's actually making us immoral by by participating mm. in them. So we become disobedient to God by obeying by obe- the the leader or the law. That's right. And and so that's something that I love that. That is such a simple description, honestly, because I think that's where, you know, it's, it feels like muddy waters and we're not quite sure. So we, we are to be under authority, obeying, uh, obeying law, um, but up until the point where we are actually disobeying God because we obey that law. Yes, I think you, you, know, you see that. I mean, there's a variety of places in Scripture, but I think Acts chapter 4 is a really good example of that. You know, the story of Peter and John, they're out mm-hmm. preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're telling people about Jesus. And the, the authorities don't like it. In fact, they tell them to stop, right? So this is an example of, um, of now civil disobedience where they are being commanded by God or called by God to go out and preach the good news, to tell other people about who Jesus is. And yet on the same hand, those who are in authority over them are telling them to stop. And so the question is, well, well who do I obey? I mean, right. the scriptures say we're to obey the government, to, you know, to submit to those who are in authority over us. But Acts 4 is a good example of what we were just talking about, um, where Peter and John essentially say, it's not right for us to listen to you, because if we listen to you, it would mean not listening to God. So mm. you know, Acts chapter 4, you, you can go read that at some point, I encourage you to do that. But um, you know, looking at verse 19, it says, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so mm. there's just one biblical example of what we're talking about that on the one hand you know biblically government is is good it was instituted by god we're we're called to submit to those who are in authority over us it's a restrainer of evil but there are those those times um in our culture in you know a history of the the country we're living in where laws get enacted or things get Mm. decreed where to obey them would be to disobey god and i think that's the the place the environment then for civil disobedience, okay. a, a disregard mm-hmm. to what yeah. has been decreed out of a, a, an allegiance to Jesus mm-hmm. and, and what he calls us to. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so that's in Acts 4, and I, I would just encourage you, you know, I, I love when we can see in the Bible, you know, an example of exactly what we're talking about. That's so good. So let's get more practical here. So we've kind of set the stage um, with how we are to be involved um, in politics or what that looks like. But like practically, what does that look like? And I think, you know, our big question here, and this is a tough question that we, I know a lot of people wrestle with, is what role does my faith play in politics? Or should I even be involved in politics? And what is, you know, what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus practically to be involved in politics? Yeah, I think that there, I mean, maybe we can just share three, but I, I think that there's there's a variety of attitudes that, that sometimes a Christian can have. You know, I, again, I grew up not really thinking or talking much about politics, mm-hmm. and I don't really love politics. Like, I, I'm not, like, just eager to get home and, and watch the news at night, or I'm not, you know, I, I don't love, you know, reading political news, but yet I know it's, it's such an important place for the Christian to be engaged and to be mm-hmm. talking and conversing. And, and so it's so important. So I think you have some Christians that like they put all their hopes yes. in politics. And then you have, you know, some Christians that just are so frustrated by it that all politicians are evil. So why be yeah. engaged at well, all? Well, sometimes I um, feel like that. Just being honest, you know, you're <laughs> like, I can't handle this anymore. Disengage. But that's yeah. not the right thing to do. Well, and, and there are many Christians who do make the argument that we shouldn't be involved. We, you know, we should be apolitical. We, sh- we should mm. not be involved at all. And, and on the surface, that that can sound 
um, spiritual, but again, biblically, I think we need to have this picture of what the role of government is and our mm-hmm. place in it. Yeah. And so I think the first of, you know, first um, thing that we would encourage somebody to, to do is just very simply to be involved, to be engaged. Yeah. And so I think you, you know, I think one of the things to remember that, that the word politics really is a word that means of, for, or um, retaining to, or rela- I'm sorry, relating to citizens. And so when you think about politics, it's really that idea of, of influencing policy, influencing laws, I mean, influencing other people for their good. And so to yeah. be engaged in politics then is not trying to impose your religion necessarily, but it is drawing from your religion. It's drawing mm-hmm. from your faith for the sake of, of other people, for the good of other people. Honestly, so I ought think, to be engaged yeah, in, in that kind and of And I think about the activity. people who are um, in politics um, a leader in politics, like they're, that's actually their job and they're, and the, that are followers of Christ. And I am thankful for them. Right. You know, like, can you imagine if every follower of Christ just disengaged, of, yeah, like, absolutely. like we sometimes feel like doing, right. you know, that, that actually really matters. Yep. No, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, we need more followers of Jesus in positions of authority in in politics and government on, on every level. Cause mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, we're called to be salt and light, um, yes. and and so we need followers of Jesus. And so imagine the catastrophic, you know, consequence of uh, followers of Jesus pulling out of uh, political action mm-hmm. or engagement. Uh, I mean, that would be a, a horrendous thing. And so I think the first practical takeaway is that we ought to be, in a variety of ways, engaged in in politics in local government. Now. To just sort of build on that, you know, secondly, I would say we should be actively engaged in politics in a way that is most consistent with Scripture. Mm, so it's not yeah. enough for the Christian just to say, well, we ought to be involved in politics. That's not enough because there are lots of Christians who are involved in politics, but but sometimes what they're advocating for or candidates that they're supporting, uh, they have values, policies, um, positions that are are inconsistent with, with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're thinking about faith and politics— we need to, number one, have the attitude that we ought to be in, engaged in politics. But number two, just to clarify that or qualify that, we need to be engaged in politics in a way that is consistent with Scripture or as consistent with Scripture as possible. And so, you know, I think you you think about biblically all of the different examples of people that God places, right, in, in yeah. positions of authority, positions of power. I mean, you think about Deborah in the Old Testament and Daniel and Esther you know, Joseph, I mean, mm. there's others who God clearly places in prominent political positions to influence history. Yeah. And so it does matter, right? I mean, this is not, you, you, sometimes you hear people say, oh, this is just another election. Um, well, it's not. I mean, we, we have in every election important decisions and laws mm-hmm. either being instituted uh, or protected or put in place. And so it matters. And I think you look throughout the biblical narrative and, and God puts different men and women in prominent political positions for his purposes. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think here is the struggle because we want to be engaged in politics or maybe we don't, but we know we should. Um, but we don't, I feel like it's so easy to like get so involved that we are overbearing and lose our minds. Yeah, basically, <laughs> you know, I mean, because it can be, it is, it can't, it is, I shouldn't say it can be, it is frustrating many times. Um, and so where I just feel like, where is this balance? Um, we need to be engaged, but I guess 
when I think about when we're talking about that, I would just encourage everyone listening um, to, to use wisdom. I mean, honestly, I know that's so simple, but wisdom in our engagement in politics, you know, yeah. you don't have to get all wild and crazy about it and, and um, overbearing. And, you know, we are to be the light and love of Christ in whatever area we are involved in. Well, yeah, and I think it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about in, in a previous episode, you know, where we started out this series and that call to take the posture of, of you know, sharing the truth, but doing it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And that oh, is right. so hard. And, and I'm mm-hmm. not, we're not saying that there aren't times where, where you have to, to say things or do things to grab people's attention, uh, you know, to be courageous, you know, in certain way. But I think even that you're, you're doing that in, in a humble, loving way in terms of what you say and how you're maybe advocating, you know, biblical truth. But I think as that relates to this conversation, you know, that that's really what you're saying. I mean, as you're making an argument for a particular candidate or you're engaged in, in political issues, on a local level or federal level, I mean, we still need to do that in a, in a loving way, but we need yes. to do it in a way that is, again, most consistent with Scripture. And I guess what I mean by that is the church, you know, I think as we think about moral issues, you know, the church for 2,000 years has has looked at different moral issues, and that has influenced, um, you know, I think when you, you think about different moral issues, not all moral issues are the same. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think as we are wrestling with different policies and laws and candidates with different positions, the Christian has to engage in that way um, and and come to a position that is most consistent with Scripture. And they ought to be looking then at particular moral issues, but not all moral issues are the same. Okay. And so I think as a Christian, mm-hmm. we need to be looking at those moral issues and asking the, ourselves the question, you know, what is the gravity of this of this uh, moral issue? Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about immigration or poverty or the unborn, um, we're talking about racial injustice. I mean, all of those are important issues. But we would say at different points in history, some of those were more important. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think when we think about our, our own day, um, you know, abortion is a, a preeminent moral issue of our day because of the number of unborn children that it affects. Right. And so as we look at that issue or the issue of racial justice or poverty, or immigration, I think all of those things, we need to be looking at them, engaging the, the gravity of, of um, sin or evil involved sometimes uh, in that moral issue and the number of people then that it affects. We had to be wrestling and praying through that. Right. And that's, that's a really good point because I think we, that's where the struggle comes because it's never like either or, right? Like, like you have, there's things that you will agree with and, and not agree with on, you know, in all different political parties. And so that's where the struggle and the wrestle comes in. But I, I love that. I think that's where you weigh, not that you're saying that one thing isn't an issue, but there, there is something pressing uh, like of the day, you know, that is, that has that is affecting more people than it ever has. Right, and, and I think you could you look again. You look. This is something the church has given incredible thought to, in conversation um, to over the over the the years. And so you look back, for example, you know at different times in history in different places. Um, I mean, think about Nazi Germany. Uh, I mean, we would all agree mm. that the preeminent moral issue of that time. Uh, was the gassing of Jews, yeah, um, and and so you look at you know America in the mid eighteen hundreds, and we would say slavery was the preeminent issue, moral issue mm-hmm. of, of that yeah. time, 
And so I think in every generation, every time, every election, I mean, those are the kinds of conversations we ought to be having, we ought Mm -hmm. to be praying about, we ought to be looking at. And I think that's the hard thing. Again, that's where we have to come back and go, but I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I know that every party is not a perfect party. And there might be certain things that I agree with here that I don't agree with over here, but we're coming back to those preeminent moral issues of Mm -hmm. our day and wrestling with those and looking at scripture and, um, and then working from, from that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from that place. And so again, I think it's important. Number one, we need to be engaged in politics, but that's not enough. Number two, mm-hmm. we need to be engaged in a way that is most consistent with with Scripture. And so, again, we're drawing from our faith right. uh, to influence um, influence others for for good. Right, and I mean, really, honestly, we can't get to all that we could talk about today with this. And so, I mean, because there's so many things, right. you know how are how do you be in, how are how can you be engaged? What should you be engaged with? There's so much that we can talk about. So we're just trying to lay the foundation here. And I think that what we need to close with (laughs) is just realizing that it's only Christ. Ultimately, it's only Christ that can save us. And uh, our greatest problem is not that we're victims, not that we're oppressed or have been mistreated. Our greatest problem is that we're all sinners in need of a savior. And I've heard you say that, honey, many times, because I know you've had a lot of conversations about politics with friends, um, especially in the last few months, just because things have been um, so crazy. Um but no politician, no president, no political party can save us or bring about that kind of utopia here on earth that we're looking for. No, again, you're exactly right. I think that that has to be the place where the Christian is always working from. And it goes back to Philippians 3, you know, verse 20, that we're citizens of heaven. And so I think where many Christians can go wrong is while we are called to be engaged in politics, where we're called to be engaged in, in a way that is most consistent with Scripture— we're also called to be engaged in politics with that awareness that ultimately Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Mm-hmm. And as you look at the story of the Bible, God raises people up and he brings them down. He raises nations up and he brings them down. But there's only one kingdom that will outlast every other kingdom, and that's the kingdom of God. And so I think that there's a great uh, sense of peace and security uh, that comes with with knowing that ultimately Jesus is King of Kings in Lord of Lords. And so we need to remember that, that, that God can use evil kingdoms. He can use unjust rulers, that God's purposes cannot be, um, they can't be thwarted, right? right. There's nothing that is going to disrupt God and what he's trying to accomplish or what he is accomplishing in the world. And so the, the Christian can have great confidence as they are actively engaging and being obedient and, and making compelling arguments for biblical truth. Um, that ultimately God is in control, that God reigns and he rules, and we belong to that kingdom that cannot be shaken. Mm, I love that. Well, let me close with this scripture from Psalm 33 that I think really sums up um, what we're talking about here. Psalm 33, 16 through 22 says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. 
Our greatest problem is that we are all sinners in need of a savior. I love that. No politician, no president, no political party can save us or bring about that kind of utopia here on earth. And I think if we can all keep that perspective when it comes to politics, there will be greater unity amongst us. And I just want to remind you of something that we mentioned last week um, as we opened up this series on tough questions. As we attempt to answer tough questions like this for others, remember there is such a delicate balance between truth and love. And we want to lead with humility and love and meet someone where they are at while gently sharing the truth with them. Wow, what a great conversation today. As you know, if you've been joining us every week, each week we walk away with a key idea. It's the main takeaway summing up what we've talked about. So today's key idea is our citizenship in heaven enables us to be the best of citizens here on earth. We'll also be sure to put that key idea in the show notes as well as anything else we referenced at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and listen, we'd love to see you over there at Patrick W. Schwank and at Ruth Schwank or also on Facebook. And as if we don't say it enough already, we're thrilled you're joining us and we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. If you enjoyed the show today, would you be so kind to leave us a review or rating? That is a tremendous help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith and we are so, so grateful for your help.